You're listening to The Kylo Show, the podcast where we talk about how to keep your love on no matter what and why whole healthy families are going to save the world. And it starts right now. Hello and welcome to The Kylo Show. Back for more. Mm-hmm. We are. We're yep. back for more with our cool coffee mugs. I don't know if you realize that we switched them out a while ago. They're very sleek. They are. They're, on one of our challenges, they were yeah. like the star of the show. They were a little. They were like, so many people said, your coffee cups are so huge. It's like, I think it was just the camera angle. Well, they were they were in front of us, so it made yeah. them look like, um, yeah. remember, honey, I shrunk the kids, or honey, I blew up the kids. Like, I, yeah. I think it was just all camera tricks. Honey, I, I, I blew up the coffee, coffee cups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. But. You got back from some fun just recently. I did. I was just up in Wyoming with uh, Jason Valentin and Braveco, and oh my gosh, it was a twenty plus guys shooting things way out there. I mean, we end up hitting thousand yard targets. I'm telling you. And then we, I spent well, a, two groups spent three and a half hours on a horse. Mm-hmm. Riding trail through the Wyoming mountains, it was epic. Yep. I felt, you know, at one point I felt like a man from Stony River. <laughs> I'm sure Ben felt like that. Because <laughs> so, it was, <laughs> it was do or die. Man, we just went up trail this horses. cliff yeah. on these trail horses, and it had been raining a little bit, so it was a little greasy. The horses are slipping a little. It's you know what could go wrong, right? Ben was. I saw a video of that one spot right after the creek. I wasn't there. I'm a little jealous. Yeah, you know me at all. I'm like gunpowder, mountains, and horses. I know. A few of my favorite things. I know. It, <laughs> I, I thought about you the whole time. I thought Brittany would love <laughs> this was, whole experience. The so, whole precision shooting thing. Yeah, I thought, oh, it, she would just be all so over fun. this. But I saw that. Um, I guess the little ridge that you had to climb up on the horses, and you know there going one after the other yeah. and ben was telling me about how his horse was just on the butt of any horse that was in front of him because yes. <laughs> she yeah. wanted to be in charge yes i was laughing I'm like this sounds like your wife that you're married to. my horse's <laughs> name was spartacus <laughs> i was riding spartacus and uh they all the all the cowboys are saying you know your horse's name is prophetic mm-hmm. you know and the lord's doing something it was just it was the whole thing was just set up it was so good we just walked through all these horses and we just picked one mm-hmm. and mine turned around and looked at me and todd pierce who's uh just an amazing cowboy yeah. he does this thing with uh breaking a horse in an arena mm-hmm. in a church building yeah or in a i've only know. seen videos but i'm crying watching it's it. so fantastic yeah um, but he, he he was walking next to me, and, and my horse turned and looked at me. He goes, your horse picked you. I said, what? I, I, was, look, I was looking at that one over there. And he said, no, this horse picked you. I said, okay. I got up there, and somebody comes along and says, this is Spartacus. Again, very uh, fitting. I go, okay. <laughs> All right. And I, your horse is black, black with a black mane. I'm like, yep. black on black, that Blacky, also black, sounds black. like you. Mm-hmm. Yep. My car, if you mm-hmm. don't know, I have a black car that's yeah. black wheels, black interior, black, black car. Yeah. Are you the one before that was the same? Blackity black. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, so you yeah. thought it would be funny if 
my horse's name was Betty. <laughs> I did. I oh, Black Betty. <laughs> I thought that would be appropriate. But yeah. Ben had a paint horse, which is one of my favorites. So yeah. he, but his horse was feisty, and uh, but he he had lots of fun too. Yeah. Sounds like just an epic trip. So it was super cool. But it's kind of, I mean, I was thinking about your trip, and we've been talking about community, and we're still talking about it. But it, uh, I mean, you were with a bunch of guys that you somewhat know, and they're all leading in one way or another um, in different organizations or businesses. And they really are, you know, leading community in it. They came together with you, and here you are creating a community from this experience. Yeah. And, um, you know, thinking about those men, and I know you said a handful of them are listening to the Kylo show and stuff like that, which is super fun. And But it, our topic today is how do you lead a healthy community? Mm-hmm. And those guys that were with you, they're a bunch of big leaders in their environment, yeah. leading community. Yeah, they're big business, church leaders, um, you know, mostly some sort of high skill, high impact ministry or business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. A bunch of big leaders just sitting around really getting rocked by the idea of uh, men being vulnerable. Mm. It was, you know, there. It, it's kind of classic man to... Yeah, I'm good. Everything's good. Got it all under control. And uh, one of the things that stood out was the number of men that said, I'm not used to being a student. Mm. I'm used to being the teacher, the leader, the one everyone comes to. So for me to not know anything about what I'm doing here, whether it was those horses (laughs) (laughs) or how to get this scope dialed in, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and it just exposed in every one of us this idea around staying a student, staying humble, having people around you that can speak into you to help you grow. Well, how does humility translate to being a good leader in community? Yeah, well, it's it's it keeps coming back to the goal is Christ-likeness, not earthly leader likeness you know mm-hmm. like there's not and i don't have an earthly leader model you know end goal model i have people that like paul would say follow me as i follow christ like okay well i can see paul you know i can talk to paul you know i can ask him a right. couple questions he can answer you know we have I this see the response i can see how he yeah. does it you know like okay and then i have christ who i commune with, I communicate with, and yet is perfect. It's like, okay, well, I've never met anybody perfect, <laughs> you know, like in front of me who, right. who's kind of trapped in a whole fallen world with me here. So I do need to remember that Christ is the, the model, the template, and if we're going to create healthy community on the earth, we have to have that foundation, that Jesus is what we stand on, is what we stand, you know, we operate from Christ-likeness, and that's our goal. Um, and that, you know, that kind of leads us into that, that, that Jesus gave gifts to the body of Christ. And one of my 
observations, I'll just say. It's also a frustration, but an observation that I have is, is the whole idea of apostles and prophets. Like it just so baffles me that when you know when when Christian leaders or denominations eradicate the activation of apostles and prophets today so that we're limited to three gifts instead of having the full five. And, and we find ourselves, I think, in a dilemma today that we don't have the power, you know, the firepower that we need to deal with a supernatural enemy. We're trying to fight back with natural understanding of the scriptures natural application of uh, Bible studies and uh, you know getting getting every Greek and Hebrew word perfect and you know we're just we're, we're trying to get the right rules in place that everybody has to practice that you know it, it it's just dissolving like oh my gosh that is that was never the the instruction of Jesus was to be a a, a, a New Testament Pharisee. You know, it, it just was never, that, that isn't it. This is all about the fathers, seeing the Father, um, imitating the Father like Jesus did, but the only ones that can show us the Father are the apostles and prophets. And we get rid of them and we show people the church. We show people the Bible. Yeah. We show people Christianity. Mm-hmm. And eventually what we end up showing people is our religious performance. Yeah. And I think that, you know, especially young people go, no, thank you. Yeah. I'm, you know, that looks like, uh, uh, you know, eating cardboard and being, being trapped in a Tupperware box. Like I don't want to do that. Like I can't. I can't blame you. So there <laughs> should be this this display of of power, of miracles, of signs that make you wonder. There's, this should be part of our life in Christ, and that's what happens when I see the Father at work. This is how the Father works in our midst. He, he's not trapped in a Bible study. He's not, he's not limited to our understanding of scriptures. He's very much, op- you know, apostles tear the top off of our understanding over and over and over. They'll just say, you, know, you look at the script, they'll, they'll teach the scriptures. Bill Johnson's just a classic. Yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll look at the same scriptures that you've looked at for 30 years, and he'll say, I'd like to talk to you about this scripture <laughs> yes. that we've all looked at for and he rips the top off of it and you're like how did i not see that yeah. because he is a gift to the body of christ mm-hmm. to grow us up into unity and when that is missing it's easy to divide and I think that would be, if we could just make a couple of adjustments, learning to identify, welcome, empower apostles and prophets 
the body of Christ, because it, it, the bride makes herself ready for the return of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's coming back for a spotless bride. And right now, the old girl looked like she got <laughs> mugged and thrown over a hill, and she's still rolling down the hill. You know, it's like, oh man, and, and it's raining. It just looks bad. Oh, yeah, geez. Cool, cool, so the bride makes herself ready, has everything to do with the bride sees the father and, and is becoming Christ like in her preparation for the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. So I know you talk about the fivefold in Culture of Honor, which is, you know, one of the classics around here. Is it? It's not. Is it the OG? Who's? What's the original one? Is it Loving uh, Your Kids? Loving Your Kids, yeah. It's the second one. But, you know, since that book came out, I've, I've heard you reference and a million other people talking to you or the fivefold more than ever previous to you writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I noticed is, you know, the prophet and the um, the apostolic anointing is, you know, they're, they're the sexy ones. So everyone wants to be them. Yeah. So they walk in and go, I am... I'm, I'm, I'll be your apostle. <laughs> totally. You know, here's my apostle card. Here's my apostle be- conference. Because it's, you know, it, it is. It's like the, the, the sexy one. And so how do you navigate, you know, creating a healthy culture, wanting to make space for fivefold, and then having the right lineup but not having an imposter mm-hmm. in that? Well, how do you identify that or how do you help yeah. create health around this Mm -hmm. how do we keep from being duped yeah Yeah. well and even because i i talk with young people and they'll be like oh i have the gift of the apostle i'm like do you yeah i think you want to i don't know that i don't that you keep saying that word you know i don't think it means Uh, if one one of them was king (laughs) yeah i was i'm i I, am i have the gift i'm the gift of the king (laughs) to the body right that's exactly what happens and so how how do you help someone really identify what their gifts are? How do you navigate that? Well, it's it's super crucial that we learn this and that we teach our our young ones mm-hmm. that this is who you are. You know, you are called to be an apostle and you're 25 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz we all know that Jesus picked 12 50-year-olds, right? No, no he didn't. <laughs> But that would be really who we expect to be an apostle, is mm-hmm. a 50-year-old. So imagine a, 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 an economic model that says you cannot become an entrepreneur mm-hmm. until you're 50. Yeah. Like how much damage would that do so much to the economy is that you know guys could kind of roll for 15, 20 years, and then they die. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, well, that's it. It's over for him. Too bad he didn't start till he was 50. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's dumb. But you could find a 25-year-old pastor, mm-hmm. even a 25-year-old uh, theologian, mm-hmm. Bible teacher. You could find a, a, a 25, 30-year-old evangelist. Mm-hmm. You would say, that guy's an evangelist. Yeah, that guy's yeah. a Bible teacher. Mm-hmm. That guy is a pastor. You could find a 25, 30-year-old prophet Simply, you know, you should be able to. Uh, they probably scare you, <laughs> and they are just opening the eyes of your heart. 
But you couldn't find a 25 to 30-year-old apostle because everybody thinks the word apostle means boss. Yeah. And all these old guys don't want a 30-year-old boss. So that's the stumbling block. Mm-hmm. It's this, it's that you're because you're an apostle, you're first in that heaven looks to you mm-hmm. and you look to heaven. And heaven's gonna flow right from there to the earth. First to the apostles, second to the prophets, third to the teachers who are teaching supernatural, not teaching natural. Yeah. And that's the flow that brings heaven to earth, but we are so scared of what somebody would do with first. Right. So we, you know, we'll. Do we want a Protestant pope? I don't think we want a pope. Hey, didn't we like protest that the whole thing? Right, I get it, but it's not being about being the boss. It's about being the most sensitive mm-hmm. to the Father, and and showing us stuff. And I I think wow, well, we had better teach our young people who are young apostles to get really good at maturity. As, as every single one of these gifts, please mature mm-hmm. in your character, in, in, in the use of this gift, because activating you in the body of Christ has such a different effect than just someone who has a, a, a not the office, but the, just the anointing of pastor, the anointing as a teacher. A prophetic anointing, even an apostolic anointing, mm-hmm. is different than the than the gift, the office, the the one that you say you are a prophet to me, you are an apostle to me. Mm-hmm. I see the Father every time I hear you talk. Yeah. When I watch the way you live, I see my Father. Like okay, and and it's not a male thing either. Heidi Baker is yeah. an amazing apostle. Mm-hmm. And she is, but they keep her in Africa. You know, like, let's keep her over there in Africa because that's where, you know, she'll, she'll mess us up over here in the States. <laughs> and powerful women is another thing. It just scares the pudding out of people. And you're like, wow, we might want to reevaluate that there's uh, neither Greek nor Jew. We got that one, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. We're pretty, pretty, pretty good with our racial oneness. Yeah. Uh, there's there's neither slave nor free. Mm-hmm. You know we're pretty good at that too. We kind of got rid of most of slavery, and uh, but and there's neither neither male nor female. And we're all we're still totally hung up on that one. Yeah. What do you mean there's no male nor female? Of course there. I got it. But th- when it comes to who we are in Christ, we are one, and that's the that's the ultimate maturity is that we actually see. And when we talk about building healthy community, mm-hmm. this is what we're trying to get at, is we see ourselves moving together as a body under our king. We have a king. Mm-hmm. His name is Jesus. We have a head. Stop fighting to be that. Yeah. And, and take your spot in the body and do it well. All the liver cells, we need you to be really good <laughs> at what you do, you know? Yeah. All the eyeball cells, we need you to do your part in the eyeball. Do it really well. I don't, we don't all need to be the head. And we don't need like seven million heads. (laughs) We would definitely intimidate a few people. Yeah, we're already scary. 
Yeah. And I, I think I love that if for those of you who don't know, Culture of Honor, great reference for all of the uh, fivefold stuff that you just talked about. And then um, Powerful and Free is the women's book that you wrote, mm -hmm. which is another great reference that we just kind of glazed over quickly, but mm -hmm. it's a... And I, I did a teaching called The Role of Apostles. Mm -hmm. And uh, it... When it, did you do that? Oh, gosh. You know... We we'll have to find that in the archives. That's what. Yeah, we'll have to find that somewhere. I don't Maybe even, we'll resurrect it and I'm bring sure it to the show. I'm sure you could download it off of Bethel's site. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's in there. But the role of apostles, and um, oh, what's it called? I'll think of it. Keep going. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Brittany, just while. make something up right now. <laughs> I will do my best here to help you. I don't, I mean, you have so many names. All you Living in an apostolic age. See? That's what the name of <laughs> that teaching is. This is my job, is. guys. There you go. I, I just needed just a little. <laughs> Distraction. Yep, over here. <laughs> I need to open some space. Oh. So really, I mean, to wrap up this little segment we've been in, um, leading healthy community is uh, understanding the fivefold for one and understanding if you've got an apostolic calling on your life um, and what maturity is required to host that position well mm -hmm. in leading a community. Right. It's the template to a healthy community. Mm -hmm. um, they Because they're so different, they scare each other. And this is why it all blows apart, because they're immature. Mm -hmm. And so as long as we host immaturity by allowing that, by yeah. giving each other permission to abandon the whole and segregate into little clusters that agree with us and protect our little pet whatever theology or our pet uh, way we think things should be done or our pet leader or whatever... Mm -hmm then we continue to stay a target of the enemy and uh, uh, the spirit of the world. And mm. then everybody that follows us is, is a target. Mm. So in this immaturity, we foster immaturity, and so everyone is a target. And I think, wow, this if we would repair this and we would have leaders that work out the conflicts that happen in those five gifts and really um, paradigms. I mean, they they just think and see and yeah. value completely different things. And then it comes time to make a decision, and they're all like, well, I represent my state, and I represent the state of pastor, I represent the state of <laughs> prophetic. You're like, oh, stop it. You know, this isn't Congress. This is actually a, a strategic body mm -hmm. that we have to defer to one another and s respond to each other according to the spirit know and 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 it's almost like dancing it's like five people dancing or something mm -hmm. it is it is quite a quite an act. and i mean i mean i have been part of it i've watched it happen i've participated in it and it's been just absolutely fantastic and messy I'm super sure. messy <laughs> super, super messy. messy oh my gosh and not easy to do mm -hmm. in the least i mm -hmm. mean it's it is it is tough stuff but 
when it breaks down, the people become susceptible to the spirit of the world. When it is strong, mm-hmm. the people are, are unwavering and they're not tossed about, yeah. double-minded in all their ways. You know, the, the, the waves and the wind are not changing what you know is true. You're not making excuses to be accepted by the world. Yeah. You are ready to invite the persecution that comes from telling the world what they don't want to hear, yeah. which is that thing you're doing, that's sin. Mm. That's sin. That's dividing you from your Father. That is breaking your connection with truth. <laughs> yeah, you look really mad right now, I know, but I love you. And I'm going to speak the truth in love. Yeah. I'm not going to change my theological understanding in the name of being loving. Mm. That's not what love is. Love actually is truth. And I'm going to tell you the truth, and I know it's going to upset you, and you're going to be, you're going to be upset with me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel it yeah. until you realize you want truth. And guess where you're going to come and get it? Hopefully from someone who is a part of a healthy community. Yeah. A maturing, you know, growing community. That, yeah. that I think that value, maturity, and that growth piece is, I keep hearing. So, mm-hmm. so good. Again, I referenced some great books, so you should go check those out if you're not familiar with them. Um, But we do have, I mean, uh, we've been talking about community because it's something that's important to us here, Um, our team, what we're creating at Loving on Purpose. We've got, you know, different avenues that we're exploring and trying to develop to kind of reach the larger state of the world. I mean, the the online community that we have been growing and... um, I think there's, I, I, I'm only a part of at least three different platforms of community online, mm-hmm. you know, that are, it's the new way of kind of rallying around this culture that we want to protect and then growing deep relationships. So that's something that we've been doing here. And we've got, we do that through challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how this typically starts is we've got a challenge and something that, you know, we can see that you have need around. And, and the newest one we've got um, is up on our website, kylochallenge.com is where you'd find out information of the, the new uh, challenge that we're about to launch, which will be really fun. Um, it's more geared towards couples. I don't think you have to be married when I say couples. I think it's just, you know, if you're dating seriously or engaged mm-hmm. or married, um, we're going to be chasing after that. And it should be a lot of fun because the four of us are going to do it. Mm-hmm. So it should be a good time. Mom will be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She will. She'll be making an appearance. So yep. again, go to kylochallenge.com to find out more information. Um, but we're going to jump into questions. So we will see you in just a moment. Awesome. All right. So we've got some questions. And if you want to submit a question, please do so. Go to thekyloshow.com and you get to record your question. If you really don't want to record your question, you probably could email it to us. But we always love to hear your voice. Um, It kind of helps a little bit, too, of just the inflections of people's tones and how what they're trying to say. Give us a little clarity. Yeah, it does help a little bit. So please, if you want to send us a question or testimony, make sure you do that. But today's first question comes to us from Lisa. 
Hi, how do you deal with a mother-in-law who thrives on any and all attention, including negative, um, who insists on family gatherings only to treat you like a fish in a barrel for shooting purposes, never has anything kind to say about you, shows no interest in you unless it's for gossip. And the added layer is I navigated betrayal with her son. I stayed I worked through it, and she's never acknowledged it. Definitely a no-fun person to be around. Thank you. Sounds like there's some pain. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if there's kids. I'm guessing that's the family gathering. Mm. Um, trying to navigate that part, you know. I don't know how mom, grandma, mother-in-law engages with kids. If that's kind of the why you keep putting yourself in the fish in the barrel situation um, or, you know, limit, maybe limit the fish in the barrel reference that she's experiencing. Yeah. Well, she doesn't sound like she's enjoying this much, you know, so I think I would just start there with some kind of communication around. I, I really do not enjoy our relationship. I feel scared. Mm-hmm. I feel judged, I feel manipulated, and I need to feel safe with you. I am afraid that anything I say to you is going to be shared somewhere. So I, I, I guard myself when I'm around you. And I really would like more. Mm-hmm. But if I need to protect myself, I will. And... Um, I, but I won't be around very much, and yeah. now you know why. And I think when you speak the truth in love, you've given other people an opportunity to understand why you're behaving the way you're behaving. But what we tend to do is we tend to blame it on them mm-hmm. and say, you are wicked. <laughs> you are wicked, and I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm just going to react to I think you're wicked. Mm-hmm. And now you think... I'm judgmental and punishing mm-hmm. for no reason. And and this is what happens is people just get all twisted up. And, and then I will tell five other people that I think you're wicked. Yeah. And they'll say, I do too. I think she's wicked too. And, and so we create this massive drama in our family. And I never just sat with you and said, I'm really not enjoying this exchange. Mm-hmm. I would like to change it, but I feel scared. Mm-hmm. I feel hurt. And if she's tried that already or, you know. I doubt it. I attempted that. Well, well if, if that's something that has happened and it hasn't changed or gone anywhere, I guess that's the other side of that is, you know, keeping your love on but with boundaries. Well, yeah, but we set these boundaries often without ever talking to the person. Yes, I think they they you should definitely have this conversation. Yeah, and 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 they say I tried to say something. You know, I said, <laughs> "Say you're wicked, aren't you?" <laughs> you know, try and, to say it, but not like that. <laughs> Don't say it like that. Don't say you're wicked. You no, know, agree with me. I'm going to yeah. tell you about you, and I want you to agree with me. And then you disagree with me. I say, "See, it doesn't work." Yeah. Like that's you didn't you didn't mm-hmm. tell the person about you you told the person about them mm-hmm. and then you built this case 
and and you have all this evidence and you have all of these expert witness testimonies and then you're the judge of the case and it it's just a setup for a massive upset so if you'll say here's my experience of you there's they can't say uh-uh that's not true you're not scared of me like okay well if you don't want to listen while i talk i'll stop talking mm-hmm. cuz it's hurtful to talk to someone who's not listening I think that's, you know, definitely needs to have conversation with lowered anxiety, which I think, you know, Lisa sounds like her anxiety is way high. She's not having any fun with this lady. So it's hard to have a conversation that isn't, I think you're wicked, which I don't think that you said that. We're being dramatic. (laughs) We're adding dramatic flair, Lisa. Please don't hear that. But it's hard to have a conversation that, feel like you're speaking the truth and love when you've got that much level of anxiety and frustration. Um, so, you know, being able to figure out how to lower that anxiety so I can have that conversation and know, I don't know if your mother-in-law knows how to receive that information. I don't know if she knows what to do with it after that. I don't know if she knows how to, you know, have that level of relationship and vulnerability. Right. And and most likely, you know, it'll be a, it, it is a new element that you're introducing into mm-hmm. a, a relationship. And so that person will take it as being accused and punished mm-hmm. and they'll, and they'll react as though you assaulted them. Mm-hmm. And you just have to know, I didn't, I told you about me. I didn't say one thing about you. Oh, you called me a horrible mom. You called me wicked. Like, I didn't. I actually didn't say any of that. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not enjoying our relationship, and I feel scared to tell you things because they somehow find their way throughout the rest of the family. Yeah. So, a big part to take away is keeping your love on. And speaking the truth in love mm-hmm. and doing that when... And, and I tell you about yeah. me. I don't tell you about you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pray that there is that restoration miracle and no more experiences of fish in the barrel with a shotgun. And after that conversation, you can set a limit, which mm-hmm. is, you know what, I'm not going to that, that yeah. thing that you got planned. And now you know why. Because yeah. I really don't enjoy being around you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to move on to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> and the next question comes to us from Jess. Hi, guys. Uh, I just stepped into role as mom uh, within the last year of two kiddos. Uh, their mom passed away after a long battle with sickness. And just struggling with my oldest. She's a preteen. And... It feels like she's causing a lot of chaos in our home. And I mean, there's trauma, there's anxiety. And and I'm wondering, why is it feeling, for me, justifiable and almost good to punish her? It It feels good inside of me when I punish her. And I don't want it to feel good. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could give me some insight on what is that? Is it because I feel out of control? Is 
Um, is there maybe anger or self-protection toward her? Is it maybe because of that was part of my upbringing? I just would love some insight from you guys as to what maybe what's happening for me and how I can shift that so that punishment doesn't feel as good of an option. Thank you guys so much. That's very honest. Very honest. Mm-hmm. I wish that most of my other calls I have with people, mm-hmm. they would be so honest because mm-hmm. it would go faster. But yeah, it is a, I mean, <laughs> I think about my own kids when that punishment need to control you and it just, it'll be faster if I can do this. Mm-hmm than if I go through the motions of letting there be a learning experience and power, be vulnerable. And there's so many more steps in this process that require me to manage myself when I don't want to. I just want to be done with this. Mm -hmm. And I want you to listen to me, you little 13-year-old child who knows everything that could ever know anything about the world outside of your bedroom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that punishment typically feels like justice. Sure. You know, and so when there's all this injustice happening and then you dole out punishment, it feels like you've won. Yeah. Yeah. Like you win. And, you know, really depending on how important winning is to you, mm-hmm. that that's the goal. The goal is to win. The goal isn't to stay connected. Mm -hmm. The goal is justice. And justice as I define it and as I implement it. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, I would, I don't know if um, our caller's name is? Jess. Jess. Jess, I don't know if you've read uh, Loving Your Kids on Purpose or Unpunishable. Either one of those, I would highly recommend maybe that be a uh, a resource, you know, watch Parenting 101, uh, grab on to some new input, because if you make the goal winning, mm-hmm. then punishment will feel like a, a, an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you understand that your long-term success is really these children want a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. You've built a quality of relationship to where they're going to adjust to protect the connection Mm -hmm. as they've watched you adjust to protect the connection. And I don't mean ignore behaviors, and it's we don't have enough time to explain those two books, but really, if, if you can switch goals in your, 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 your parenting, paradigm, you'll realize that punishment actually leads to disconnection, Mm -hmm. which undermines the experience of loving and enjoying each other in a relationship. And if we're, you know, honest in when the exchange of punishing your child, however that manifests, a tone, response, quick adjustment, taking something away, withholding something, whatever, however it looks like. If we're really honest, we feel satisfied for 
um, not very long. Yeah. It's moments. Getting to suffering is not really long-term satisfying. No. And, and so in, in the exchanges where, you know, because I like to win. If you haven't heard this yet, I'm, mm. I, 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 I like to be you. a winner. Mm-hmm. I like to win all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's it. And then I, I, justice is needed in this world. So believe me, the last couple of years, it not being so black and white is very frustrating for me because it should be. Um, but anytime that I have sought out punishment and I've followed through with that action, I am left heartbroken pretty mm-hmm. quickly mm-hmm. because I know that what I gave away, which I'll cry because I can just think of a million opportunities of when you you give away that opportunity and instead of empathy and love and connection, but you seek out justice so that you feel good. You feel good for a second. Win you, the power struggle. You win it, but then I lose all the opportunities that I craved for influence. Mm-hmm. Which a mom of two teenage girls, oh Lord Jesus, help me. Two teenagers. Oh my gosh, Ben and I were just talking about this. I look at them and go, all I really have is my influence with you and yeah. my connection and how I build that. So if you seek out punishment, you're just going to lose the influence, which is like right now, more than ever, crazy world. These kids need you to stay connected to them so that you can influence them to truth, to peace, to what is good. There's no, there's not much good in this world and right now. I mean, there is. There's lots of good, but in what's in their little faces. So, just don't fall down that ugly hole of there's some justification in this, yeah. but but you're you're losing the ultimate prize. Yeah which is connection. Yeah. So in your your quest to win the power struggle, yeah. you are losing the war. You absolutely do. Yeah. And again, it's it's so short-lived. I feel right and true. <laughs> and then I watch them avoid, punish, withhold. And all I think about is I want to be close to your heart. Mm-hmm. But I gave that opportunity away. Mm-hmm. for my own selfish reasons. And when you're disconnected, then the power struggles are all about winning. Mm-hmm. And they're all about you know hurting people hurt people. Yeah. And in our disconnect, I'm hurting. Yeah. So it is easy for me to feel justified and satisfied seeing you hurting. Mm-hmm. And that's all coming from a disconnect. So if we get our connection back and then we work to protect it while we go through the situation, yeah. you know, whatever it is, but the primary mm-hmm. is connection. Yeah. Uh, then the main lesson is no matter what happens, we love each other. Yeah. That's the main lesson. Yeah. And after that, you learned a bunch of stuff because you too made adjustments to protect our connection while we went through that thing. Mm-hmm. The older you get, the the more uh, 
self-controlled you have to be mm-hmm. to make the contribution to protect the connection. And so th- that leads you into adult children who choose the connection with you, which is such a reward as a parent that your child will work on their side mm-hmm. to stay connected and in relationship with yeah. you. And you're just like, oh my gosh, this, you know, he, he, they, oh, they don't have to come around. And I mean, as a child of an adult, you know, of, of a parent, I, I don't have much relationship with my parent. And it it's sad, but it's at this point it's just kind of the the way it goes. Um, I would never want to pass that on. So I I just try to figure out, keep figuring out how can I protect my connection with my children mm-hmm. uh, so that th- they do the work too. They value it as much as I do. Yeah. And that starts when they're a toddler. Yeah. It does. Starts when they're a toddler. It starts to get, I mean, it can get really rocky when they're that teenage years because there's such a crave for their own independence and their freedom and their own identity, you know, more than ever. And and I feel like the world is telling them right now that they should be 18 at 12. They should have the same level of permission, access, freedom at 12 as an 18-year-old. And it's just... Hold true to that connection. I guess that's all I can say over and over again is um, don't give away that opportunity for punishment. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's so a trap. It is a trap. It's a trap. So, all right. Great question. We're going to go ahead and jump into our testimony. All right. Well, today's testimony comes to us from Rusty. Hey, Danny and Brittany, this is Rusty down here in South Louisiana. Appreciate the opportunity to come on the Kylo Show, which I love. Y'all keep up the good work and just share a quick testimony. So my testimony today is in regard to boundaries. So when I read Keep Your Love On years ago and I got to the boundary section, I I really had to (laughs) face some tough things about myself. Uh, See, I'm a recovering codependent. And if I'm being completely honest, I still have some codependency tendencies creep up, but I've definitely grown in this area. Thank, thanks to your teaching and what I read and keep your love on. So I started to practice healthy boundaries in my life and specifically with a couple of people really close to me. Uh, I was in close relationship with, and it was really hard for me to come to the realization that I um, had agreed to a certain relational dynamic that was not healthy. Well, uh, I admitted that, and then I made some adjustments, and I started to set some healthy boundaries. And one thing I did not anticipate having a challenge with was I, in reality, had an expectation how people were going to respond to my boundaries. And what I've learned over the years, thanks to your teaching, is their response to my boundaries is not my responsibility. My responsibility is to ensure I'm coming with a pure motive, that I'm coming from a place of love, that I'm coming from a place of trying to protect something that is valuable, not coming from a place of self-protection with no chance of reconciliation, that I have to make sure that I'm not coming from a place where I am in reality 
punishing somebody and trying to keep something out. I'm protecting something valuable. So that has really helped me in the area of boundaries. I no longer own what does not belong to me. In other words, when somebody does not respond the way I would like to my boundaries, I recognize now that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to come with a pure heart and always come from a place of love. So thank you so much for the teachings on boundaries. It has helped me immensely. Y'all keep up the good work. Take care. Sounds like we should have Rusty co-host the show or something. (laughs) Him and Aaron (laughs) will do a great job. Uh, I mean, boundaries is always a hot topic everywhere we go. It's usually comes up pretty consistently and I mean boundaries feels like that hard hard dance between is it a boundary is this punishment how do I keep my love on how do I feel safe how do I you know so it's a it's it's interesting I mean when you when you drop a boundary in a conversation and the person doesn't adjust Mm -hmm. (laughs) what will you do next (laughs) yeah you're about to discover (laughs) you're about to discover whether you were trying to manipulate that person or not Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because if your anger comes on or your wounded puppy comes on or whatever, <laughs> you you just got caught. Yeah. You just got caught trying to manipulate somebody instead of just letting people know about you and what you're going to do and when. Mm-hmm. If you can... Actually, just like Rusty pointed out, it's really about what I brought. It's not about what you adjust. I gave some really great information. We'll see what you do, yeah. and I just have to hope. I just have to trust. But I am going to manage myself and keep my love on, but we have a mess, mm-hmm. especially if you don't adjust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very good. All right. Well, That's it for today's show. Awesome. And I guess we'll see you really soon. Thanks for listening. Never miss an episode of The Kylo Show by subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch us on the Loving on Purpose YouTube channel. Don't forget to submit your questions and testimonies to thekyloshow.com. The Kylo Show is produced by Ali Armading, co-produced by Ashley Beck and Anna Hill, sound engineer and edited by Taylor Silk, and show promoter Christian Zamora. Don't forget, whole healthy families, gonna save the world.